Listening to the Coffee Hour, I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Ascension, Blessed Ascension Day. Blessed Ascension. We are looking forward to a great chat today with one of our favorite professors when it comes to history, the the history of the church, and really looking forward to digging into this topic of Ascension today. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us today, the Reverend Dr. Joel Ilowski, Professor of Historical Theology at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. Dr. Ilowski, welcome back to the Coffee Hour. It's great to be with you. Thanks. And a blessed Ascension Day to you, and uh, thanks for this great article you've written in the May issue of The Lutheran Witness to help us learn more about Ascension. Uh, Let's start off with, uh, there's an account of Ascension in the Scriptures. When did the, the Church begin observing the Feast of Ascension and celebrating this that's recorded in the Scriptures for us? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I mean, when I was a kid, I think I always thought that the church always observed uh, Ascension. We had our Thursday Ascension services, and uh, the church had always done that. But as I, you know, started to explore this for the article, I realized it probably wasn't uh, until sometime later in the 4th century that they actually started observing Ascension as, as a separate festival, shall we say. I mean, there probably some exceptions to that. A, a church's history accounts talk about maybe one place outside of Constantinople that might have been observing it from the very beginning. But apart from that, you don't really hear about it until kind of later in the fourth century, which is was kind of a surprise to me. And, you know. So you mentioned the, the uh, separate, uh, observing it as a separate festival. Does that mean it was combined with another festival from earlier days? Yeah, that's right. And in fact, when the the church first started, how should we say, celebrating these feasts in the church here, uh, most of the the big festivals related the Easter festival, because that was, of course, the most important day when uh, Christ rose from the dead, victorious over sin, Satan, and death itself. So uh, the church uh, pretty much observed that as a universal celebration. Although I should say that uh, they observed it in different times and different places, which is a rather complicated uh, story we probably don't need to get into, but uh, yeah, I should come to my class. Then we can talk about the Court of Dutchman controversy, which Ooh. is always probably on the top of your list of things you want to look at. But, but uh, yeah, apart from that little uh, aside, um, I, I guess it was uh, originally probably celebrated with Pentecost, actually. So you had, um, at least with the accounts we hear with like Ageria and others, that they probably celebrated those two together because they saw them actually in an interesting way, if I might go into that for just a second. You know, the fact that, well, when Christ ascended, of course, in the biblical account, he tells his disciples that he needs to return to his Father so that he can then send the Holy Spirit that will enliven the Church, which will enliven the Church. So you have Christ descending, and then you have the Spirit descending, if you will, down 10 days later. So the early church kind of thought those two very much connected in that way. Ascending, descending. I see the connection. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Okay. You mentioned earlier that many, and I think many of us are like you in this case, that we just assume that the church has always been observing ascension since the biblical accounts, like always been observing. And it wasn't until later that you were studying and learned more about when it most likely began observing this feast. 
what are the sources that we have today as a church to help us learn this history? You, you mentioned as you were learning more about it, what are the sources you were going to and that, that you're learning about the church's history? What are the sources we have today to help us learn this? Yeah, well, of course, let's go to the church history, first of all, and the most famous one being Eusebius' church history. That was written right around the time of Constantine, so in the 4th century. Um, he's a pretty good source for much of what happened in the early church, so I would recommend that as a, probably a primary text that you should all, all read. I think it just gives us a lot of insight into many different areas, but I of course, there's also there were these uh, pilgrimages that people would take to Jerusalem, and this is interesting because Jerusalem was not a very popular spot for a while. After the well, in the second century, it was pretty much made into a pagan, you know, city. Actually, uh, you know, I don't know if you know about this, but they actually Hadrian actually kind of re- capital took it away named Jerusalem actually for a couple hundred years. So people were not really frequenting these areas much, but there was still the the tradition that you had these famous sites there, and people started coming back around the time of Constantine because Constantine's mother, she visited these sites, and actually it was pointed out that some of these places, she was pointed to them and was able to kind of see the significance of these places. So we, we have Eusebius telling us about that, but we also have this account, as I mentioned her name before, Egeria. She was, she was a pilgrim probably from Spain or someplace around there who... Uh, came to uh, Jerusalem to uh, see these holy sites. And so she tells us, for instance, that I think they wanted to be, uh, she saw the worship uh, services while she was there. And she was able to see that you had, they worshiped kind of a church festival in the morning that was associated with Pentecost and then ascension in the afternoon. So she lets us know about this from her account. But there's also uh, another fourth century, mid fourth century document by Cyril of Jerusalem. He's, he was a bishop of Jerusalem who would have these lectures that he would give to people who were studying for being baptized, and that we call these is the catechetical lectures. And you can actually go there, read these lectures, and you'll see that he, he talked about using even some of these places as, uh, well, sermon illustrations, if you will. I mean, imagine being able to uh, teach in Jerusalem, or you could say, no, if you look out that way, you'll see uh, there is a hill where our Lord ascended to heaven. I mean, that would be I would love that kind of to be able to do that with my countrymen. So let's go uh, take a field trip out there and see where he goes up up to heaven. So you have these different kind of accounts that you can kind of look to get some idea about what the church did. Um, I suppose I could go into more life in more detail, like maybe the life of Constantine too is another good text uh, to read. But that I think maybe gives you at least a little bit of an historical kind of thing. I suppose, in addition, you've got these liturgies, too, that uh, survived in the early church. And a lot of these, well, like the Apostolic Constitutions, for instance, it's a, it's another 4th century, late 4th century document, probably written, or at least composed around 380 or so. And that's kind of the, the first place where you get um you get it kind of mentioned, and it, it's an interest—that is, in terms of the liturgy, I should say. And uh, there's this interesting comment— where they say that the servants were actually allowed to rest from their work on the ascension because it was the conclusion of the dispensation by Christ. In other words, just as Christ finished his work and then rose up to heaven, well, these workers should get the day off, basically, because uh, Christ was able to take a vacation. (laughs) (laughs) like that. I feel like we should uh, keep that one going now. But anyway... (laughs) 
I was going to say, if you guys can get the day off tomorrow, today, you should uh, try that. <laughs> Check that up with HR. So do, do we know anything else about how the early church would have celebrated the Feast of Ascension? Would it have been uh, very different from their other uh, feast days or celebrations in their churches and their liturgies? Well, uh, well, especially in terms of like the uh, scripture passages they would highlight, you do have, you know, there's always this connection with the Psalms, for instance, of the specific Psalms kind of that speak to the idea of, of Christ's resurrection, like Psalm 110, sit at my right hand, or you got Psalm 24 with its uh, beautiful words. It's almost like when you hear Psalm 24, you can see Christ kind of um, being welcomed into heaven, where it says, lift up your heads, O gates, be lifted up, ye everlasting doors that the King of Glory may come in. I can almost imagine it like um, a procession that they might have. And especially in the church in Jerusalem, they probably would have different processions that would go to the different holy sites so that you could you would head out and uh, to the Mount of Olives, which would be a little bit of a hike. I don't know, maybe about a mile or so, but uh, you could have these kind of celebrations of that. And I suppose different hymns, I'm not sure which hymns would have been sung at that time, but it probably would have been associated again with those psalms that they had. So, And I suppose some antiphonal singing between the two, but it would have been uh, quite a lively celebration if we're talking about, you know, the period of time, like I said, the fourth century. And perhaps even maybe some might do reenactments, although I don't have any um, record of that in the sources that I looked at, but I wonder about that, you know, since we, especially in Jerusalem, with those professions out there, be able to see these types. We have more to learn about the Feast of Ascension with the Reverend Dr. Joel Elowski, Professor of Historical Theology at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are discussing Ascension for today's Feast of Ascension, as observed by the Church. Our guest today, the Reverend Dr. Joel Ilowski, Professor of Historical Theology at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, wrote a wonderful article in the May issue of the Lutheran Witness, Ascending Christ, Descending Spirit, the History of the Feast of the Ascension. And so we've talked a little bit about the history when the church began observing this feast and how the church approached observing this feast. Now, how does the church remember the feast today or throughout history? Let's talk a little bit about art. You share a a little bit about church art in your article with us. Where might we see the celebration of Ascension or the Feast of Ascension in early church art? You know, that's an interesting question. You know, I, and what I find interesting about art today is that like a lot of the churches in the Missouri Synod, it do have that kind of a Christ depicted there at the front. Um, but I'm jumping ahead, you know, uh, in terms of his attention. But that always, my dad was just talking about that as he was here for our uh, 
son's graduation from seminary. So that was on my mind. But if you looked uh, in the ancient church, probably the early early art is usually on like in cemeteries and things like that. But uh, you've got one of the earliest depictions of the ascension I mentioned in the article. It's actually in a carving, not so much a painting initially. This is a church that's in Rome or Milan. So if you guys want to sponsor a trip over there, I could kind of take you to see these sites. <laughs> Get some gelato too while we're at it. <laughs> But uh, this is a uh, interesting depiction. It's got it's got when you think it's got Jesus in the garden there, right after his right after his resurrection, and he's there with Mary in the garden. But then you've got a kind of telescope history in these art these art depictions. What I mean by that is they would include more than one event in these uh, depictions. So you've got uh, Jesus in the garden there with Mary, but then you have kind of in the upper corner you have the Father's hand reaching down uh, from heaven, you know, and. It's it's almost as if he's saying, welcome home, son, and he's holding out his hand to, to bring him up. And then you've got kind of connected with that Jesus striding up the Mount of Olives, and he's got the law in his hand as if he's in triumph over his enemies, and he's heading right up to his father where he's going to hand him the law and hand him uh, kind of the verdict, shall we say, over the enemies, if you will. So it's, it's a beautiful kind of image in ivory that you can look at. So that's about sometime around 400 AD. But there's also these uh, depictions in uh, kind of more, well, I'm thinking of the Rabula Gospels, for instance. That has a, this is a little bit later. It's in the 6th century. But this one has kind of kind of a scene divided between heaven and earth. So in the earth of the depiction, you You've got, of course, what we see depicted in Luke's Gospel, where you got the disciples seeing Jesus ascend up to the heavens, and um, you've got all of them grouped there together. Um, and what's interesting is in that in that particular depiction, they also include the Virgin Mary, you know, in that, uh, and yeah, she wasn't there, at least according to Luke's account, but maybe she was, maybe just left out some things, I don't know, but the idea is that perhaps she was really a depiction of kind of representing the church as she's there with the disciples. and. He's there in the center, surrounded by the uh, two angels who tell the apostles, stop looking up there, look down to earth where you need to have your earthly mission as you're going to be sent out as Jesus had told them. They'd gone into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. So, so that's kind of the earthly depiction. But then you've also got, of course, kind of that other reality in heaven where they, they depict Christ kind of with this, what they call it a mandorla, um, which is kind of a... Uh, Oh, I don't know, like an oval that surrounds him and showing his heavenly glory. So, you know, where he's in his state of exaltation, shall we say. So you see that kind of bridge there with Christ as a ruler over the universe, but also he's, he was before ascending from his earthly time to that uh, ultimate rule in heaven. So, yeah, kind of a beautiful image that way. And one thing I didn't mention before about kind of the liturgical side of things, too, is how the fathers often connected Christ's ascension with the Sirstum Cordite, up your heart. And they saw this as, lift up your hearts just as Christ ascended to the heavens, your heart should ascend to God to be there with him and dwell on his goodness, his faithfulness, and his uh, love for you. So you keep your hearts aloft with God. And I thought that was a kind of a beautiful picture they had, too. What do we, what can we learn from these visual depictions from this artwork uh, that has come from the early church all the way through? I know that the uh, painting above the altar at my church is the Ascension with the disciples and Mary. What can we learn from these visual depictions? How did, how does this help reinforce this, what we know and believe about the Ascension of Christ? 
Well, I mean, I like the way that Chris has done put it, actually, by Mike Lodicher's father, uh, one of my favorites, actually. He says, through the mystery of the ascension, we who seemed unworthy of the earth are now raised to heaven. We who were unworthy of earthly dominion have been raised to the kingdom on high, having ascended higher than heaven, have come to occupy the king's throne, our very nature against which cherubim guarded the gates of paradise is enthroned today, high above all the churches. And I think what they were, what he's trying to say, and what that art was trying to say, is that we were we were created as uh, to be sons and daughters of God, with all that means, and that Christ ascended to the heavens. He, um, you know, he paved the way for us, shall we say, through his suffering, death, and resurrection, and ascension. As we put all those together, that this is our salvation in Christ. And what I think the ascension does is help us kind of get out of the day-to-day kind of troubles, experiences we have, especially these days with all the crazy stuff with war and plague and uh, inflation and everything. And it reminds us that there's a, there's an ultimate destiny for us. And the fathers always like to point to this, that our citizenship is in heaven. And as we think about that, the ascension helps point us to that ultimate citizenship. Now, it doesn't tell us to forget about our citizenship here. That's kind of what the angel said. Why are you looking up into heaven? you got a lot to do here yet. But, but it does remind us, especially at those more difficult times of life, that ultimately everything is taken care of because Christ is reigning over the earth, and he is reigning over all things. And we can look to that and rejoice in the fact that we have a God who has triumphed over everything, and it's called us, uh, you know, live with him forever. So I re- I'm looking forward to that day, even as I realize there's still a lot to do here. But that's kind of what I get out of the artwork and also kind of the church father's depiction of the ascension. So we've talked about where, a, a couple of places where we remember the ascension, certainly in the Feast of the Ascension, as we observe that each year, also in church art. There's one more place that we remember the ascension that we haven't gotten to yet, the Creed. Tell us about the inclusion of the Ascension in the creeds. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up, because of course I teach a course here that very much talks about the creeds and their importance of the life of the Church, and the fact that from the very beginning, of course, it was included in what we call the narrative of salvation, and they didn't look at the Ascension as an add-on, which sometimes I think we say suffering, death, and resurrection, and I want to say, but you forgot the Ascension, and uh of course, having that in the Creed, the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed, demonstrates that from a pretty early age, if we take them, the Apostles' Creed being like a third century text, and probably reflection already some second century um, text, that we know that the Ascension was already confessed in the Epistle of Barnabas, actually, which is probably a mid second century text, that the, the Church saw this as an important confession of, of Christ salvation for us, and that this was, as I say, not an add-on, but it's really the culmination of his work, the confirmation of his work, if you will. And that's the creed kind of, say, they ascended in heaven and sit at the right hand of the Father from whence he will come to judge, from thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. That that ascension is part of the role of Christ in his uh, rule and um, his reign. Yeah. So as we're celebrating the Ascension today, what are some things we can study, some things we can meditate on as we think about Christ in his bodily form ascending into the heavens and and how important that is for us? Well, I think you're exactly right there. The the text itself, of course, from Luke chapter 24 and beginning of Acts is a beautiful place to start because as you meditate on what's happening, kind of take it in slowly, you see all the significance that the 
early church, frankly, saw as well. The idea that as uh, Christ ascended, uh, our hearts ascend with him. We can think about, I suppose, another interesting thing is even the very place where he ascended the uh, early church had the advantage of actually being able to go up there and uh, look at that place. And there was a lot of piety associated with that, too, in the sense of looking towards the, I guess, where our hearts are ultimately uh, directed. So um, I suppose I would also recommend just looking at Cyril of Jerusalem's catechetical lecture. He's got a couple of them, Lecture 4, and but even more Lecture 14, where he kind of gives you some beautiful words to meditate on. He says, to this day stands Mount Olivet, still to the eyes of the faithful all, but displaying him who ascended on a cloud in the heavenly gate of his ascension. For from heaven he descended to Bethlehem, but to heaven he ascended from the Mount of Olives. At the former place, beginning his conflicts of men among men, but in the latter, crowned after them. So he, he sees that connection with Christ's birth, even in his ascension. Yeah, so that, in addition to Psalm 110, Psalm 24, these are wonderful places I think we could go to, to meditate on the significance of what our Lord has done for us and for our salvation. So remembering the ascension today and the ways that we observe it, do you have a favorite ascension hymn? Oh, it's okay if you don't. I, have to, I just threw that one out. Oh, I was thinking of that Henry Garricky hymn, up through, uh, up through Endless Ranks of Angels. You know, I think that one, I think that's tied with it. Good Lord, well, I'm thinking, I, I always like to make transfiguration. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're up there on the mountain both times. Sometimes we do that. Dr. Olowski, thank you. Thank you so much for your great article in The Lutheran Witness this month on the Ascension, Ascending Christ, Descending Spirit, the history of the Feast of the Ascension. Thanks for being our guest on the Coffee Hour today. It's been my pleasure. Nice to talk with you guys. And I'll see you in class someday, okay? Yes. Indeed. <laughs> You've been listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere.